Anybody else? Yeah, John. Do you think that there's a, a, a generational difference in how, how it's approached often? Ready from this table? So there's a heart issue that's brought up. Um, how about you guys over here? Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, how if um, you know it, we relate to that culture. I mean, there's a, cult, a whole culture of um, you know people who who really take this seriously and who who have I mean numerous tattoos or body piercings and something that you know one of us might go, wow, I've never seen something like that before. Or you know, we might be intimidated by it. We might be uh, put off by it sometimes, but are we called to reach out to, to those people as well? And how do we do that effectively? You know, perhaps you know, specifically, you know, uh, understanding that culture would, would really help that. Sure. Mike. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's really important about making sure that we're not jumping to conclusions about that person's heart. You know, great point. Excellent point. All right, let's go down to question two. Uh, it states, what are your reactions to people with tattoos, piercings, and body modifications? Start up here. What do you guys think that there's a, um, a culture of uniqueness is, stands out and is, and is really valued? About you guys right here. You guys over here? I think we all have our level of like, oh, that's cool, versus, whoa. Like, we all have our shock value levels and I think they're kind of different and what's going to shock Monty might be completely different than what's going to shock yeah, you know Robin so I, the, well yeah it's hard to talk to somebody yeah Carl right so there's the kind of like oh man you might really regret that yeah all right well as Christians we uh, obviously desire to to measure everything that we do um, by by what God says about it, and uh, obviously we want to honor God with with the way that we treat our bodies. Um, but what did you guys discuss about uh, what you think the Bible says about tattoos and piercings, body modifications, John? How did how did you how would you react to that from a scriptural standpoint? Then anybody else have a thought about the, what scripture? Yeah, Paul. Yeah. Right. I think that that's true not only in the types of images that are portrayed on our bodies, but are we distracting someone uh, from, you know, our, the message with with the, what you know what they see initially, or you know, that's a good point. Well, I'm going to turn it over to Mike. Uh, he's going to um, obviously we're talking about a lot of this stuff that we've been discussing. Then we'll kind of come back and wrap it up and see maybe if uh, some of our uh, outlooks have changed. Okay. All right. Well, good morning, and it's. Uh... Glad, I'm glad everyone can be here. We've had a chance to have some good discussion. And this, this ties in exactly with the uh, presentation. So um, I'm happy you could talk about things and, uh, uh, and kind of get a feel for what we're going to get into. So, firstly, uh, you know, I like to start off with the uh, disclaimer when we're talking about things right off the bat. So the disclaimer would be, here we go, tattoos, piercings, and body modifications are personal choices. They are not salvation issues. So we're not trying to bring across that this is something that if someone has a tattoo, they're going to turn around and say, well, you know, you're out. You know, that's not the case. The objective is simply to have a conversation about what God's Word has to say about the subject. And uh, that's kind of what we're doing. We're not trying to condemn people. 
And the purpose of our discussion is not to condemn the person, but simply ask, how should we respond when confronted with the choices above? So, all right. So we're going to start off with a little history, which I always think it's good even to look at things from a, a secular or a worldly perspective to get some idea of, of um, where we're at. So history, what do we know about tattoos, piercings, and body modifications? Well, the word tattoo actually comes from a Tahitian word, uh, tattoo, which means to mark something. So when we talk about tattooing, it's actually the meaning of it is to mark. And that's what we're, that's what we're getting back to, is, is marking of our bodies. Next question we might ask ourselves is, how long have tattoos uh, been in existence? Thoughts? Well, there you go. So you're, you're, still, you're, getting, you're jumping to the next slide, John, but that's exactly right. Um, it, it's uh, 500 years, 1,000 years, 5,000 years, or could it be the dawn of mankind? Well, we really don't know, but some people believe that the mark of Cain could have been a type of tattoo that God gave to Cain as a sign for others not to kill him. Since the word mark could actually mean sign, we cannot be certain of the tattoo, but it is a possibility. So it's just something that's been uh, talked about throughout the ages that perhaps this is what uh, separated Cain from the rest of the people so that they knew not to, not to do him in. One of the other things we can talk about is the oldest known uh, tattoo seen in our existence today is on Atsi, the Tyrellian uh, Iceman, who was found, he's 5,300 years old apparently, who was found frozen in the Alps between Austria and Italy. Scientists believe his tattoos aren't actually for medical, or for medical reasons and not so much for artistic design. And um, there's a reason for that too. The theory being that his tattoos were in areas that might have helped relieve pain from various conditions he was determined to have. When they found the body and then they x-rayed him and they've MRI'd him, CAT scanned him and everything else, they basically found that he had many areas throughout his body that were arthritic or had joint disease or whatever. And strange enough, those tattoos, uh, which we're going to look at in just a second, a couple, uh, were on specific areas of his body that correlated to these areas that were arthritic as well. There they are. So, and they weren't anything elaborate. They were just markings. But even then, uh, they were delineating an area that, that this person had issues with. So it wasn't like they were trying to you know, make a, uh, an elaborate design, just like, here's where it hurts. Uh, he had in various areas on his body. Uh, uh, this one... You can't really tell it looking at it, but it should be on either area of the spine. All right, some interesting surveys. These are uh, current surveys. A 2006 survey taken by the Journal of the American Academy of Dermatology estimates that 36% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 29 have tattoos. So it's very relevant in our younger generation, so to speak. Uh, it's it's uh, prevalent, and uh, that's what we're seeing. A Harris Interactive poll conducted in January of 2008 concluded that 14% of all adults in the U.S. have a tattoo. So, you know, 14% of you in this room probably have a tattoo, however many that would be. <laughs> there you go. I'm sure there's a few of you. See, it's about right. Of the 14% who had tattoos, the highest incident of 25% of the 14% were found amongst the gays, the lesbians, and bisexuals. Not my information, that's just off of the study. 
Now, a systematic review and a meta-analysis of 124 published studies from 30 countries found that people with tattoo were almost three times more likely to have hepatitis C than those without tattoos, and that was published in a study in 2010. And now let's talk a little bit about some medical concerns. I like to talk about that because it's something I see or hear about just on a routine basis in my life and in my career about things that come into the office. So first of all, with tattooing or with um, uh, piercings or body modifications, infection of the site, up to half of the body piercings result in infection of some sort. So it's an issue. Airing, splitting of the skin, scar tissue. Here again, now sometimes that's the effect of what you're trying to go for. Body modification, scarring or, or scarification, uh, can be, that can be part of the effect. But here again, you're not looking to get the splitting of the skin and stuff for the most part, or tearing if it's at all possible most of the time. Allergic reaction to metals. Sometimes people are allergic. You see it with people who have uh, reactions to copper, to silver, to gold. All these things can cause uh, infections and allergic reactions to the skin. Risk of infectious diseases by non-sterile equipment. That's um, a rarity but in, in today's society, but nonetheless, it's still uh, a potential uh, risk. And then we've got a few um, slides here that kind of show some of the piercings. And um, this would be just a lip piercing. Here we've got some, a lady from, uh, I think she's from Cambodia, uh, with uh, some ear gauges. Lip and nose piercings here again. And, okay, um, so allergic reactions to dyes. Here's some other things that can come out across with the uh, reactions to the uh, uh, chemicals that, that are used. Various diseases, AIDS, viral, bacterial, and fungal infections from needles. Doesn't happen often, but can it? Yeah, it can happen. There's an unknown nature of the dyes effect on the body long term. Most dyes are industrial pigments. So you really don't know. Could they be causing skin cancer? Could they cause other issues in the body? You know, as, this, as these dyes migrate through our system, how does it affect other parts of our body? We don't know. I mean, we don't have an idea of whether some of these pigments could go to another area of our body and cause disease. It's possible. Swelling of the body part being pierced. Sometimes it causes enough uh, inflammation or edema uh, that that can cause other issues with the body because of the swelling. Here we go. So a few more piercing shots. A uh, lady from India, quite a few piercings in her ears and nose, and the tattooing on her, her forehead, a kind of a cultural thing. The lip piercing. African lady, lip piercings. Lip plate. Lip plate. And this guy is apparently the uh, world's most pierced man, at least they, he's got his shirt on, so we don't know what the rest of his body looks like. But what we're going to do at this point in time, uh, we thought it would be a, a kind of an interesting uh, way to evaluate things, would be to do a little interview uh, with someone who has a perspective on, um, on tattooing. So I'm going to ask Dustin Smith to come up, and uh, we're going to ask him a few questions on, uh, on, on his perspective on tattooing, and go um, so from there. So have a seat, Dustin. Everybody see okay? All right. Well, thanks, Dustin. I appreciate you taking the time to answer a few questions, give us your perspective on how things are going and, and what you think about uh, this whole idea of tattoos, piercings, and body modifications. So let me ask you a few questions. Firstly, when did you come to Christ? Born and raised in the Catholic um, And then Reese. That's wonderful. Um, so how old were you when you got your first piercing or tattoo? Um, uh, 
Let me ask you this. Why did you desire the tattoos or piercing? Was it for the art? Was it peer pressure? Was it rebellion? A little insight on what you think brought you about to the point where you wanted to get tattoos or piercings. Um, the first couple ones at that point before. Good. Thank you. I'm insight into that as well. That kind of ties into the uh, uh, next question being that uh, since, you, since becoming a Christian, have your views on tattooing and piercings changed? Um, well, this is one I had to throw in just because of my place here. But uh, uh, do you believe that a person who gets tattoos or piercings is being a good steward of their body and money? Body? Um, do you see a purpose for having tattoos or piercings as a Christian? Much for those thoughts. And lastly, uh, will you continue to be tattooed or pierced? Uh, and if so, why? <laughs> um, yeah, so it definitely will continue. I really appreciate your time, Dustin. Um, what we're going to do is instead of getting questions to Dustin right now, we're going to wait to the end. And then if any of you have questions at the end, we're going to let you come back and you can ask Dustin some questions then as well. But thanks again. I appreciate that. Okay. Well, moving on to the next slide. Well, that we already did. All right. So what does the Bible actually have to say about tattoos, piercings, and body modifications now that we've talked about some of the other things uh, with the history and the medical issues? Well, most widely known verse is Leviticus 19.28. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. Other verses that are commonly used are 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 and 1 Corinthians 3, 16-17. And they're popular verses used to discuss tattooing and piercings. And we'll get to the actual text of that a little later. But let's start with the uh, problem with the, uh, the verses that we could look at from the beginning. The problem with the verses listed above, although seemingly direct in their statements, cannot be taken out of context from the entire passage. So we have to be careful about coming in and saying, well, we have one verse... And God says, this is how it is. And we're taking our whole uh, premise on what's to be done on that one verse. I think that's important that we don't go down that road if we can avoid it. So Leviticus 19.28 seems to be more of a cultural or a ceremonial command rather than a moral command when kept in context with the passage. Okay. It's a little small, but I think you'll get the gist of what we're saying here. Other verses in Leviticus illustrate more ceremonial commands. Leviticus 19.19, Do not wear clothing woven from two different kinds of thread. Most of you would be breaking that command today. Um, Leviticus 19.26, Do not eat meat that has not been drained of its blood. Most of you would be breaking that command as well. Uh, when you eat, unless you're you know, an uh, uh, Orthodox Jew, uh, <laughs> then you're probably eating meat with blood in it. And Leviticus 19.27, do not trim the hair of your temples or trim your beards. We'd have an awful long hair people and long bearded people in here if we followed these rules uh, as strictly as, uh, as, we, as we could. Um, so what can we take from Leviticus? When you look at the, the passage and what, what's being said about things, I think, you can, I think you can bring these things out of the text. First of all, God does not want us to follow after pagan practices. That's what it was all about. That's the reason why he said, don't do what the pagans are doing. And that's what they were doing. The Canaanites were following after practices of tattooing and cutting and doing things to themselves to honor the dead. They would cremate people 
take the ashes from that person as soot, and then they would tattoo themselves with the actual soot or the ashes of that person to remember the dead, along with cutting to signify their remorse and their grief that this person had died. Uh, God wants us, wants our minds focused on Him and not on remembering the dead. I mean, we can remember, but mentally there's a difference between remembering the dead and, and imprinting this person or this, uh, well, this person's uh, name or uh, face or whatever on your body uh, that will never go away. And lastly, God is a jealous God who desires for us to worship Him alone. So I think those are three things you can easily take from that scripture without any uh, uh, issues whatsoever. So God wanted the Israelites to be separate from the pagans. Are we now also called to be separate from the world? Just a question we throw out to ask ourselves. Here's some tattoos that I would say, what are they actually, what is the focus of these tattoos? Um, are they a focus on God and remembering God? Are they... I mean, we've, I've seen these on people coming into the office all the time. I, I kind of think they're kind of cool. You know, you see the tattoo, it says mom, and you see it on a sailor or something like that. It says mom, you know, well, that's, oh, it's mom. Well, that's not such a big thing. But who are you remembering? You're remembering mom. This is a child. Now, we, I don't know exactly what happened with the child or anything else, but, but the impression would be that you're, you're remembering this child because more than likely you lost the child. And, and that would be the... The implication in my mind is that's what you're trying to remember. And that's a, that's a hard thing. To lose a child is a hard thing. And people would like to remember that child. Um, but, you know, who are you remembering? You're remembering the child. Well, this is a little interesting. I always look at symbols like this and think, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, I look at that. That's called a triquetra. And the triquetra is actually a Wiccan or pagan symbol. Uh, so sometimes we might get a tattoo and we don't really even know what we're getting. It just the fact that it looks cool, we think, oh, that would look cool, we should get that. And yet the underlying pagan connotations are not good. It's not a good not a good symbol at all. Now we get into the verses that we talked about earlier, and we talk about first Corinthians six, nineteen through twenty. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body? Well, here again, to take this these, these verses, these three verses, and to say, this is pretty plain and simple. This is what God says, don't do anything but glorify your body. Well, Paul speaks of sexual immorality and the body's resurrection in this passage. So once again, we need to be careful about reading out of the context. When we go to 1 Corinthians three sixteen through 17 uh, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Well, once again, what's God talking about? Or what's being talked about in this text? In this text, Paul speaks in reference to the church as the temple of God. But we can't forget that individually we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us as believers. And so, you know, there's certain things we want to keep in context, too, from that perspective. So, body-piercing verses. Um, Actually, there's a lot more talk and, and uh, comments about piercings than there ever are about tattoos in, the, in, the, in Scripture. So, body piercing, Exodus 21, 5-6, And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. Why would they do that? Well, the slaves in the Old Testament time were slaves for seven years, and then they were commanded to be released. But you didn't have to be released, and if you had a good master, 
Maybe you didn't want to be released. Maybe things were good at that point in time. So that becomes the issue here. This verse implies that the ear piercing signifies being in bondage or servanthood to another. And in this case, the slave desired the security of his good master. So he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to go out on his own. He liked what he had. said, I'm good. I'll stay here. Make me a slave forever. And, uh, but not everybody would want that. But in this case, that was, that was uh, the implications. Ezekiel 16.12 and I put a ring in your nose, and earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Well, God was speaking to Jerusalem here. i get to the next verse. Metaphorically about Jerusalem in this verse. But he seems to say that nose rings and earrings are a form of beauty and designates the royalty of Jerusalem. So, in some ways, you can kind of say, well, uh, are earrings and, and uh, nose rings a way of beautifying the body? Well, I guess it's possible. You know, it's, it's, it's certainly, God doesn't say, yes, this is always a, a thing that negates things. And earrings and piercings have been in our society since pretty much the dawn of mankind, I would have to say. So, but the issue is that if you look here again, keeping in context throughout that verse, throughout the verses, the gifts given, which enhanced and beautified, successively become the means of Jerusalem diminishing and debasing herself and ultimately alienating herself from God. So, even though it can be a good thing, it was turned around as a way of separating ourselves from God and not worshiping God. That's what God was against. That's what God didn't want. And so, we have to be careful that what we hear or what we have turns around and becomes an idol or becomes something else that we worship. Hosea 2.13, And I will punish her for the feast days of the Baals when she burned offerings to them and adorned herself with her ring and jewelry and went after her lovers and forgot me, declares the Lord. It's all about forgetting God. That we're not to do. Genesis 35.4, So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the Tiberith tree that was near Shechem. So what's really going on here? Well, Jacob's household was instructed to get rid of any foreign gods or idols, but also gave up the rings that were in their ears. So the implication there is that somehow, or the connotation was that somehow these rings in their ears had some relationship to idolatry. Um, Exodus 32, 2-4, So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. Aaron used these earrings to make the golden calf, which the people worshipped and in turn angered God. Judges 8.24, And Gideon said to them, Let me make a request of you. Every one of you give me the earrings from his spoil. And Gideon made an ephod of it and put it in his city. In I've got to be careful with this word. It's not Oprah. It's, uh, it's uh, Ophrah, I guess. And all Israel poured after it, and it became a snare to Gideon and to his family. Once again, the Israelites worshipped an object and turned away from God. Most instances, the people turned their nose and earrings into idolatrous images and once again turned away from God. So, moving on here, what does it mean in Genesis 1.26? Then God said, let us make man our image after our likeness. Because here again, people read into this verse and they say, well, if we're made after God's likeness, can we improve on that? Can we change that? 
You know, where are we supposed to go with that? Obviously, no one knows what God's image is, but theologians have some degree or some uh, ways of kind of giving some insight into that. So theologians have reasoned that there are four aspects of the image of God. First would be structural. Second is functional. The third is relational. Fourth is teleological. So what do they mean? Well, the four aspects of the image of God, structural, indicates that humans have the capacity to know, to reason, and to make moral decisions. Functional indicates that humans are to operate as God's representatives on earth by ruling over nature. Relational indicates that humans have the capacity to mirror the unity within the Trinity through relationships with God and other humans. Teleological indicates that humans are created to glorify God through making visible His character. So where do we go with that when we're looking at the image? Well, so how does tattooing, piercing, and body modification affect the image of God? Well, some within the Christian community consider tattoos and body piercings to be a desecration of the image of God on the basis that they structurally violate the believer's conscience and God's law. They functionally mutilate the physical body. That they relationally hinder the unity within the church. And teleologically, they glorify the ungodly and the vulgar. So you get this camp of people that say, this is where we're at. This is the reason why you wouldn't do it. This is what it does to the image of God. But the flip side is, well, okay, let's go. Uh, we'll give, come to the flip side in a second. But this would be some of the things that they'd say are the reason why these tattoos and things of this nature wouldn't be appropriate. It might artistically, that that kind of looks cool. What is it? Is it a dragon? You know, it's a it's quite the artistic rendition. But you know, what are you glorifying here again? The uh, the demon. You know, what are you glorifying? What are you what are you worshiping? Grim Reaper. So in contrast to the other believers, so that kind of gives you some insight with these tattoos, where we're going down that road. And some people would say these things are wrong because this is what they do to the image of God and that isn't glorifying God. Other people would say in contrast, other believers believe that structurally they exhibit artistic beauty, uh, that functionally they express the will of the believer, that relationally they create diversity within the church, and that teleologically they can be a means to express spiritual truth. Here again... Now, these would be tattoos that might be seen as appropriate or, or, or honoring, you know, from a, a Christian standpoint. It's a dove. It's got a Scripture verse to it. Here again, a fish with a Scripture verse. They're just things to throw out. I mean, this isn't anything that's like set in stone about how people should respond. These should be good and the other one should be bad. But, but it, gives, it shows the contrast is what I'm trying to show here for the most part. So, so what can we conclude from Scripture? Well, it appears that Scripture is not dogmatic in its appraisal of tattoos, piercings, and body modifications. However, certain truths still hold true. First, God is a jealous God. does not want us to practice in the ways of the pagans in any way. First Deuteronomy 6.15 for that. From the, uh, and I tried to, tried to put this from this perspective of, of kind of God, the Spirit, and Christ. So the second one would be, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And then the last one would be from Jesus. Uh, 
Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? So how are we covering ourselves? You know, What is the purpose? Are we trying to bring attention to ourselves? Are we glorifying ourselves or our God? We go to... 1 Corinthians 10.23, Paul states, you know, for the most part, that all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. So as Christians, we are free. We're free, as Paul describes, but not without taking others into consideration. Perhaps we should ask some of the questions of ourselves before asking, accepting this uh, freedom. So these might be things like, what is your motivation for getting a tattoo or body piercing? Are you trying to bring attention to yourself or to God? Does it violate your conscience or the consciences of your family members, friends, or fellow believers in Christ? How will tattoos or piercings affect your body? Will it cause damage or disease to your body? Are you prepared to have a permanent mark put on your body that never goes away? And how do you think this mark will look in 20 years? Yeah, you, know, you look at some of the pictures of people that have the tattoos on them and if you kind of Think about them when they're in their 70s and 80s. It's not pretty. So, when we get to uh, this question, will it disrupt the unity within a Christian community? You know, will this decoration prevent you from accomplishing God's will for your life? I heard it talked a time or two about sometimes because of people's first impressions. It does it right or wrong. It limits what you might be able to do with these other people. It's just that's just the way our culture is set up. Whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't make any difference. It's just the way it happens. So, what it limits you. And what will your parents, spouse, or church members think of your tattoo or piercing? Here again, you've got to keep other people's thoughts into consideration uh, as well. And then lastly here, what does this tattoo or body piercing symbolize? Something that is relevant to your relationship with Christ. Would it benefit or hinder your relationship with Christ? Now I think personally, if you can go through these last four questions and with honesty and good consciousness answer these questions and really feel that there's no issues, I, I personally see no, no problems with having appropriate tattoos. I think there's things that you can't do and shouldn't do that don't serve any purpose but to bring attention to yourself or to bring attention to something that's ungodly. But done in the right perspective, I, I don't see the obstacle here. Um, and as we come to a close... I thought just for, for the uh, last part of the thing, just as kind of a thought process here, I'd, I'd throw it in. Because oftentimes people talk about revelation and they talk about you know the mark of the beast and things of that nature and where we would stand with the mark of the beast. Uh, well, you know, the mark of the beast is something we don't want. But finally, John speaks in Revelation concerning the mark of the beast being a mark on the hands and on the forehead. We are to interpret these marks as a type of tattoo or body modification. Then God strictly prohibits it, and our eternal security is at stake. Is it possible? I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying, is it possible that our enemy, Satan, could be using the things of this world, namely tattoos, piercings, or body modifications, to disarm us when a time will come um, for us to accept the mark of the beast? And we basically. It would, it would become so commonplace in our society that a tattoo or an implant or a piercing, this would make, be no different than that. And just a second, Carl. Um, that pretty much brings it to the end of our uh, uh, conversation. The last thing is, 
anyway, it's something to think about at the very least. Uh, okay, uh, we're going to open it up to some questions, and I think we've got plenty of time. But nonetheless, uh, let's move to the next uh, question. I think Carl was first, Mike, and I'll go to him first. Yes? Who was first? Can? Yeah, well, that's... Well, I don't think it's... I think this would be something... With re, specifically with regards to the to the mark at the at the end of time, and that's nothing about tattoos that you've had done. That has nothing to do with tattoos or other things in, in your life that you would have had done. This is just something I threw at the end, and I thought, well, it's going to get people talking, and so I did it intentionally. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, a point that I don't think you you're going to be worrying about, uh, Mike. Yep. Did they? <laughs> well. Okay. Um, who was next? I, it might have been George. Well, let me just say that when I put those up there, tattoos in that instance are more geared for the individual, not for as an expression of witnessing, but for a person to remember himself. And I would think in, in those uh, instances, things kept modest would be something that not everybody would see. In other words, this wouldn't be on your forehead. This wouldn't be you know, on your neck. This wouldn't be someplace. It'd be someplace where it could be covered up. And it would be oftentimes just a remembrance to the individual that remember this verse. Remember, you know, what you're here for. Uh, that's that's kind of how I come across with that, uh, George, Mark. Okay. Uh, any other questions? As with regards to. Well, I think I think. And it's like I said earlier, I think if you can go through these four questions and you can answer these four questions or your, your child can answer these four questions in good conscience and, and, and God honoring and, and honoring of the parents, um, then biblically it's pretty difficult to have uh, legs to stand on that say that they shouldn't have something if it, as long as it was God, God honor, honoring and modest in some way uh, with regards to tattoos. Um, that would be my perspective on it uh, from, from scriptures and the studies that I've, that I've read. Uh, Paula, let's go back to... didn't get a tattoo. Yeah, right. Or the, back to, comes back to who you're honoring. Uh, John, one last question here. It can, but... I, and here again, in our culture, the stereotype, stereotype may be that, but biblically you can look back you know, to, into Genesis and, uh, uh, you know sons and daughters that had piercings in their ears. I mean, it wasn't just like that made them effeminate. It was part of the culture. It was part of, it just been around for, you know, for ages past. So I don't know that we can really say that, that having the earrings would make us more effeminate or anything of that nature as men. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's uh, uh, certain criteria that we need to follow, we need to look at, we need to look at our heart, and we need to look uh, to glorify God and the things that we do. Well, we're going to close... Well, I think we've accomplished the point of the hot topics, and that's to stimulate discussion and uh, get people thinking about things. Uh, as I stated in the beginning with the disclaimer, we aren't here to offend people. We're not here. It's not a salvation issue. It's something to make us think, and uh, I think that's what it's all about. So let's close in prayer before we go to the service, and then uh, we'll be done. So... Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather before you as Christians with diverse beliefs and uh, ideas, and and uh, we can only look to Scripture and to your leading in the things of, of this world. And uh, 
Uh, we ask for your guidance, Father. We ask that in the things that we do uh, concerning tattoos, piercings, or body modifications, that, that we could truly know that in our hearts we're pleasing you and we're glorifying you. We would ask that you would go before us and that uh, you would help us to uh, uh, have your uh, guidance and leading and that we would get at, uh, a, a good word from you today in, in, the, in the sermon. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Yeah, that looks...